Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Average Truly podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe. And today we're going to delve into the topic of how an athlete should periodize their nutrition for optimal performance. So ultimately, I want to answer the question of how do we quantify high, medium, and low days? As um, this is a question I tend to get asked quite a lot. Um, so whether I just be through Insta DM, seeing um, like examples of my training week, my eating week, I kind of got these high days, low days, medium days. I can refer to them quite a lot um, in different sort of posts on social media and in various podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I haven't really explained um, how to go about setting up your week and how to actually periodize your nutrition uh, properly. So just want to take a little bit of time today just to go through this and just show you like my rationale, my thoughts on um, basically just setting up your, your own diet. Um, so we're not going to get too much into the numbers in terms of how many calories you need and stuff like that. I think that's the kind of beyond the scope of today's podcast and probably one I'll uh, record in the not so distant future. I just calculating calorie intakes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but today I just want to just run through how to basically set up um, the kind of overall kind of blueprint and framework of your week with regards to the whole periodization side of things. So when we think of periodization, we're pretty familiar with this from a training perspective. You know, you kind of have your hard training days, medium days, kind of your low days, your rest days. You can kind of assess uh, that, you know, you know how it feels. And I'm going to go into how to calculate training loads in a little bit more detail after. But we have like, a periodized training week, right? Right. Uh, we don't have hard days every day. We don't have medium days every day. We don't have easy days every day. You know, we kind of push and pull with regards to training load um, to manage overall kind of stresses on the body and mind. So if we have a periodized training plan, we need a periodized nutrition plan. So when we think of periodizing your nutrition, we think of overall calorie intake, so energy availability on a daily basis. And we think of carbohydrate periodization, so carbohydrate availability on a daily basis. So we always work off the motto, fuel for the work required. The more work we are doing in that day at a medium to higher intensity kind of effort, the more carbohydrates we are going to need. Um, so when we think of carbohydrate availability, this is pretty much defined as how much carbohydrates are you consuming through the diet versus how much carbohydrates you have stored within the body. If you're operating under high carbohydrate availability, you are going to be performing maximally. Um, hence the hashtag no carbohydrate deficiencies here. Um, where if you're operating under low carbohydrate availability, so less carbohydrates in the diet and less carbohydrates stored within the body, i.e. muscles, liver, then you're going to be underperforming. So essentially, we just want to meet the body's demands on a daily basis. So it's kind of a crude analogy, but if you think of just fueling the car, if you're going to do a hundred mile kind of drive, you need hundred miles worth of fuel. If you have a 500 mile drive, you need 500 miles worth of fuel. If you're just popping down the shops and you're doing three miles, you need three miles of fuel. Same kind of thing with your overall workload and fueling for that. Again, we just need to meet the body's demands by supporting overall carbohydrate intake to you know, drive exercise performance. So the question I kind of get asked then is like, okay, what, why can't I just eat the same amount of food every single day? Well, if we do this, some days might be underfueled 
and some days it might be overfueled. So say, for example, you just hit a flat average of 3,000 calories a day, and some days you burn 3,500 calories. Okay, that's a 500 deficit, and then 500 fewer calories on carbohydrates, and therefore potentially impairing performance and recovery. Where the other days you might be overconsuming by 500 calories, and then it's like, okay, do we actually need to use these calories on this day? Yes, they'd be kind of replenishing from the kind of deficit from the other days, but can we just spend our calories and spend our carbohydrates in a better way to accelerate performance, recovery, adaptation, and, and good things like that? So therefore, we need to think about this whole periodized uh, approach. So this perhaps isn't too much of an issue if you know your training demand isn't really that high. Like if you're, um, if you just go to the gym and, you know, you just do more kind of bodybuilding style training, um, you know, you perhaps don't really need to think about sort of the periodization that much. You can actually run a relatively linear approach because what we kind of see is that you do have this like energy conservation kind of kicking in. So if you have like a gym session, maybe burn three, four, 500 calories, um, you might think like, okay, I need three, four, five hundred calories more on that day. But if it's quite demanding, you might be quite tired after and might sort of compensate and kind of conserve energy by sitting down more, moving around less. And therefore you end up being three, four, five hundred calories less active outside the gym, where on the rest day, we don't have that fatigue and stimulus. Um, you don't have that energy conservation kicking in and therefore expenditure actually remains probably a little bit more true to what you believe it to be. So therefore, like on average, it just kind of just levels itself out, you know? Um, but if, for example, you got multiple sessions in a day, or if you're an endurance athlete and you're doing, you know, three, four, five hour kind of brick sessions, um, you know, like that's a, that's a big difference between a training day and a rest day. So for athletes with high training loads, there is definitely a need to periodize carbohydrates and periodize overall calorie intake. Um, and again, just from experience work with, you know, countless number of elite athletes, athletes in my athlete coaching program, this is the approach we always take. And this is the way we get the best results um, in terms of overall kind of performance. Um, like it's, uh, yeah, pretty tried and tested. Um, research backs this up uh, very, very well. And just applying this with, you know, hundreds of athletes from all different kind of backgrounds, modalities, um, it works uh, really, really well. So I just wanted to start thinking about this. If you have high training demands about what period as in the week, uh, so it's in line with your in line with your training demands. So the way we're going to look at this or approach this is essentially by calculating your training load. So this essentially allows an athlete to plan better for following sessions um, once you've initially quantified uh the kind of training demand of that session itself. Um, so essentially, if you know the overall training load of, I don't know, a Monday bike session, then if you repeat that the following Monday, you're going to have a better understanding of the overall demand and therefore better able to plan and prepare from it from a fueling perspective. So when it comes to calculating training load, we kind of got two ways we can do this. So um, or three ways, shall I say. So we've got the subjective versus objective, and then you kind of got a combination of the two. Um, so there's some well-known kind of uh, you know, ways to assess this. Uh, and then I just want that I'll slowly talk through. 
and then um, I'm going to just work, talk you through a system that I'm working on now and kind of fine tuning. Uh, that's just working really, really well for me. So in terms of the subjective versus objective. So the objective stuff is things like your heart rate for endurance sports. You know, if you do a bike session, if you do a run, if you do a swim and your heart rate's higher, this can indicate that, yeah, it's just a harder session and you're most likely going to be burning more energy as a result. So there's quite a nice relationship there with increased heart rate um, and overall calorie expenditure. For teams-based sports, you kind of got your GPS, um, which can measure, you know, total running loads, high-speed meters, accelerations, decelerations, all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of quantify the demand of the session there itself. If you're a powerlifter, um, or if you're just doing a lot of SNC work, you can measure your volume. So that is expressed as weight times reps times sets. So, you know, the amount of tonnage you lift, you know, that can, you can use that to quantify training load really, really well. If you're a cyclist, you've got power meter data. Um, so, you know, how many watts are you putting through the pedals in every single session? You know, that'll give you um, an idea of where we're at in terms of the amount of kJs, your kilojoules uh, you uh, put through the pedals um, and therefore uh, an idea of where your calorie expenditure is. Um, and then you've got the more kind of subjective stuff like RPE, so rating of perceived exertion. Um, so this is a method that I want to sort of talk about a little bit because I feel that is a really nice method to use in addition to the objective stuff. So when we think of training load using RPE, RPE is, again, your rating or perceived exertion. So this is essentially the mean intensity, so the average intensity for that session. You know, if you uh, have a, you know, it's a scale of one to 10. So if you score yourself zero, that is basically a complete rest, not doing anything. One, two, very, very light. Uh, and as you push all the way up to 10, 10 being maximal intensity, like all our efforts, um, you know, you just give yourself a score after that session. And the question you essentially ask yourself is, you know, how hard was that session? How hard was your workout? Um, so you basically just give yourself a, a score after that session. I, if it's like a seven out of 10, you know, that was a pretty bloody hard session, you know? Um, and then what you do then is times that by the duration in minutes. So it could be a case of, you know, RPE of seven times 60 minutes, or just so my maths is a little bit easier uh, whilst recording this. If for example, um, your RP was seven out of 10 and you did it for hundred minutes, that's a score of 700. If you did the same uh, perceived exertion, but the session was only 50 minutes, that's 350. Uh, you're going to give yourself a score as, okay? And these are essentially arbitrary units. There's so not calories, kilojoules, pounds, kilos, anything like that. It's, it's just an arbitrary unit. It's just a number, okay? That you can use just a minute to monitor and plot uh, over time. So this is just a nice way to kind of quantify overall training load. So a question I get asked all the time is about, you know, what about my Apple Watch? What about my Fitbit? What about my Garmin in terms of calorie expenditure? What I'll say with them, with all of them, is just take them with a pinch of salt. What they do is point you in the right direction. So whether you do a gym session and it says, it's, for example, it's 500 calories, uh, on average, it could be 300, it could be 400, it could be 500, it could be 600. It basically points you in the right direction, right? Uh, but what I want to do is just kind of 
move away a little bit from that. You know, you can still use them in some way, shapes or form, which we can move on to and have a follow-up conversation uh, and discussion. But what I want to do is kind of move away from them and kind of just use this, um, the, this system with regards to quantifying overall training load, okay? So one of the systems I've been developing at the moment um, is a combination of the subjective and objective. So essentially it's using the heart rate data and this RP uh, scale. So I have like, for mountain biking, it's very much mixed modality in terms of my training. I do weight training. I'll do uh, conditioning-based stuff, whether that's on the bike or whether that's just like uh, on, you know, an assault bike, skier, pushing a sled, all that kind of stuff. And I actually have the mountain bike stuff itself, but I don't have a power meter uh, on my mountain bike. So I can't calculate how many watts and stuff I'm kind of pushing out and therefore calorie expenditure. So what I typically do is, and again, I'm kind of refining the system at the moment, um, but my kind of system or method is RPE, so rating of perceived exertion times duration in minutes times the average heart rate of that session as a percentage. So with this now, I can kind of start putting together the objective and I can start putting together the subjective. I'll always wear my heart rate monitor with my chest strap uh, for more accurate readings. So when I kind of put the two together, it gives you a little bit more data points and therefore I can monitor things a lot better. So if I just uh, look at, say, a previous week of training where I did three full body sessions, um, strength sessions, I did a metabolic conditioning session, which consisted of like assault bike work, skiing is basically, um, I put up on my Instas, like a thousand calorie challenge. Basically, I just wanted to stay in the, the gym and <laughs> I do conditioning work um, until I hit 1000 calorie expansion measured by my Garmin. And again, take that with a pinch of salt, but it's just something to aim for in that session. And then I got uh, a mountain bike session in there as well. So for my, um, so the way I will calculate this is uh, RP. So for my full body sessions, my the RP was pretty much consistently a seven out of 10. So for session one, it was RP of seven times 55 minutes. And then my average heart rate for that session was 133. Uh, which is 70% of my maximal heart rate. And that gives me an arbitrary value of 267. Full body two, again, RP year seven. But my session then was 58 minutes long and an average heart rate 127. So that's 68% of my maximal heart rate. And that gave me an arbitrary value of 276. So very, very similar. And then full body three, again, RP year seven. But this one was just 49 minutes. So pretty much 10 minutes less than last time, but my average heart rate was slightly higher, 136 uh, for the session, and that's 72% of my max, which gives me uh, a score of 247. So all those sessions are pretty similar. So I can pretty much straight off the back, have the same calorie intake on all those kind of days. And I'd probably class them as a medium kind of day. With the metabolic conditioning session I did um, on that week, there's an RPE of eight. It was pretty horrible. Uh, it lasted 72 minutes and I had an average heart rate of 158 for the uh, 72 minute session, which is 84% of my maximal heart rate. Now this gives me an arbitrary value of 483, which is 200 more than a than my strength sessions. So straight off the back then I could think like, okay, when it comes to planning my week, if I was to repeat this week again, which I will be, it's like, right, I probably need to put a little bit more emphasis with regards to my fueling 
and ensure I have other factors, i.e. sleep, stress, everything in a better place before I go into that session. So I'm better prepared to tolerate uh, that workload. And then my mountain bike sessions, RP of seven, again, pretty difficult, pretty high. Uh, this session was basically four hours, 25, so 265 minutes. And at an average heart rate of 149, which is 79% my maximum heart rate. Now, this gives me an arbitrary value of 1,465. So if I was just to look at those days there, and then obviously I had uh, two rest days. So I kind of got three medium days, one kind of medium high day, and then one mega high day, uh, and then two low days. So if I was to then repeat that week, it's a case of like, okay, I know how I'm going to periodize my week accordingly accordingly into low, medium, high, very high, mega high, and, and stuff like that. So the total training load for that week, based on all the different kind of mixed modalities I have in it, is 2,738. Now, if you were a cyclist and you just, all you did was just go on the bike, you can just use power meter data. I know like all the endurance guys out there, you can be fully aware and familiar of like training stress score. It's a very, very similar kind of thing, right? But it's just my own kind of formula that uh, I perhaps kind of have made up and have been using to some level of uh, success. So what we've got to appreciate when we look at this RPE kind of system, so your ratings of perceived exertion, and this is the thing, is it's your perception of how hard it was. There are quite a few factors influencing this. So one, personality factors, are you introverted or extroverted? Uh, generally, that is well, pretty much a constant, so there shouldn't be any kind of or too much variability there. Um, one large variable that um, you know can change from day to day or hour to hour is uh, your psychological state. So, for example, if you go into this, like a the same session in two occasions, first occasion you are fully up for session, you're in a good mood, no stress, all this kind of stuff. You know, the session just seems a little bit easier. But say the second session, then you when you repeat it, you know, a lot of stress on, like just bullshit in your life going on, a lot on your mind. Um, you know, that session is just going to feel a little bit harder. So your psychological state is going to be a large influencing factor there for sure. And that's why it's just important most of the time to have like emotional consistency. So you're pretty level as an athlete, you know, um, obviously, Sometimes it, it can't be controlled, stuff happens. But on a whole, day-to-day, -day, just having that emotional consistency is uh, is going to be really, really important. Um, and, you know, some of those sessions, like, the, for example, a 1,000-calorie conditioning session I did, um, you know, I was in a very good headspace going into that session. I was kind of, you know, a little bit sadistic, kind of looking for the pain. Um, where another session, like, if I was to repeat that again, like I got that again on the Saturday to some extent, um, you know, who, if I'm not in the same kind of psychological mindset going into that, it may be a little bit hard and therefore affect the RPE and affect uh, my overall kind of training load score. So again, a little bit emotional consistency there is very, very important. Your fitness levels is going to be really important to uh, consider as well. You know, again, if I go back to that conditioning session, the more I do this kind of stuff, because I've just started this type of training, um, the fitter I'm going to get and essentially the, the easier I'm going to find it. So that over time is going to affect my RPE and my total training load score. So I need to be uh, mindful of how that kind of evolves over time. 
Uh, another thing, music. Um, for me, music is absolutely huge. I know I've got the Anabolic Kitchen playlist uh, on repeat. And, you know, with that kind of music, it really gets me fired up and gets me going. And, you know, it just makes my perceived exertion um, lower and my pain tolerance increase. So little things like that. So again, trying to have a little bit of consistency there for sure. Uh, feedback encouragement, you're training on your, on your own, you're training in a team, you're training with a, a training partner. Like if you're training with someone and they have like verbal encouragement, uh, you're going to push harder. Um, and, you know, it just feels a little bit easier. Your environment is key. Like everyone knows, like if you've been, you know, I'm not just talking about like temperature and stuff, which is obviously one thing if you're training in a hot versus cold or temperate temper kind of environment. But I'm talking about environment, like if you're training like, you know, just a really shitty gym, it's really flat. There's no kind of culture. There's no environment. You know, it's not great, but some of the gyms like I've been to, I know it's absolutely sort of buzzing in there, like it's going off and uh, everyone's pushing hard, training really well. And it's like, right, yeah, I need to kind of elevate to that standard. So environment is absolutely key. Nutrition status, hopefully with this kind of mindfulness around um, planning the training week and periodizing your nutrition, um, you should have sort of consistency there. But if you go into the same session, you know, with low carbohydrate availability, you're not going to be able to perform as well. And therefore, if you've got heavy legs, if you feel flat, fatigued, um, you know, you're just going to find things a little bit harder you know, so that's going to affect RP and training load. Your sleep, I, I think that's one's pretty much self-explanatory. Try and do the same session um, with nine hours sleep versus four hours sleep and see how you perform and see how uh, how much harder you have to try to put out the same effort um, when you're sleep deprived. So that's huge. Little things like DOMS fatigue, you know, we know that delayed onset muscle soreness through like exercise-induced muscle damage, um, you know, is going to decrease you know, muscle function, power output, force production, all that kind of good stuff. So again, how does that kind of play? Um, not in terms of like your physical output, but play in your mind as well. Sometimes if I've had like a hard kind of squatting session and I'm going in to do my next kind of full body session, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, like I can hardly move here. So you're already in like a little bit of a negative kind of mindset and that can affect your overall RP. And also like who, who's asking the question? If you're asking yourself the question, then you've got consistency there. But if you have like perhaps a little bit of an ego and, you know, different coaches are asking you that same question, you know, you might have a different answer. Is like the head coach asking you the question? Is it the nutritionist asking you the question? Is it your SNC? Is it your friend? Is it your partner? Like who's asking you the question? Because that might affect your score as well based on, you know, whether you need to protect or whether you are protecting your, your ego or not, or whether you're being completely open, honest and transparent. But if you're asking yourself the question and working training load uh, off based on your answer to yourself, then, then that is absolutely cool. So obviously there's quite a lot of like influencing factors there, but if we have the same daily standards and the same sort of consistency with things, then, you know, it should be relatively repeatable obviously there's a couple of things that may change from time to time i environment all that kind of stuff and obviously the involvement of your fitness levels but um you know if it, if you're relatively consistent then you know we should have a nice kind of reliable readings over time okay so now once we've you know looked at how to quantify your training load based on a few different ways of doing this again is it the rp system is it the crystal nutrition method is it like the parameter data is are you just tracking volume in the weight room are you using your gps data for your 
for your team training, perhaps a combination of that and the volume-based stuff. If you do an SNC alongside it, if you're just using the heart rate, you know, once you've like whatever method you're using, once you've quantified um, your training load, this is essentially just a starting point. We need to now just assess the effectiveness of your nutrition in alignment with your training demand. So this is why um, I don't particularly like using, you know, that or that much, like using um, calorie values from like Garmin's and uh, Apple Watches, Fitbits and stuff like that. You know, yes, they point you in the right direction, but we can't solely rely on them as being 100% accurate because they can be maybe 10 to 20% either kind of way. But like I said, they kind of point you in the right direction if you were to use that. So I'll just give you an example of myself. Based on the week that I just uh, kind of explained, the three full body strength and conditioning sessions, that one meaty kind of basketball conditioning session and my mountain bike ride, I basically consumed 2000, sorry, 22,300 calories that week, which is a daily average of 3,185, which is 44 calories per kilogram of body weight. And that was basically maintenance for me. So I know based on everything I expended over the course of the week and everything I consumed, that is maintenance. So based on that, how do I refine those in numbers based on the specific days of the week and how well I was performing in terms of my KPIs. So I could pretty much just run 3,185 calories on that week every single day. But again, if I'm pushing out maybe 5,000 calories on the mountain bike, and you know if I have a rest day, which is maybe like 2,400 calories, you know, there's going to be obviously big, big differences in a, in the daily basis. So now it just basically allows me to ask better questions to myself with regards to my planning. So based, basically, based on how I'm performing, do I need to change anything? So my KPIs, my physical and mental performance, my energy levels and fatigue, my mood, my food focus, my stress, my sleep, my libido, all that kind of stuff. Based on what I've expended, and my intake, do I need to change anything? So I know then if I was to repeat this week again, which I'm doing next week, this week's been a little bit different because I'm doing a little bit of traveling, but next week I'm doing the same week again. And my train load for the week is going to be approximately 2,700, 2,800 RP units. Now I know that if I now then consume 22,000 calories in that week, my body composition is going to end up at maintenance. So I'm pretty much going to be at energy balance. So I've been meeting the body's man's correctly, but then it's like, ask myself that question again is now I've identified what's a rest day or low day, medium, a medium high day and a mega high day, or however I want to kind of term them. I can now sort of allocate calories and carbohydrates accordingly based on that. And again, these, the way you quantify your days are in relation to the other days you have in the week. So if I, you know, that mega high day I put down for my mountain bike day, that's in relation to an SNC session. You know, if, I don't know, another cyclist, world-class tour rider, Chris Froome, for example, did a four and a half hour ride, that probably be a low day for him, you know, because his fitness levels are miles, miles, miles beyond mine. Okay. So it's in relation to where you are now. 
and in relation to your other training sessions within that week. So then you can plan uh, and periodize accordingly. Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, it just allows us to ask better questions. And, you know, what's the overall kind of stress you have in that day? So, you know, I love talking about like the periodized life in terms of like this overall allostatic load, the wear and tear in body and mind. Now, if I have like a medium day, then my cup full of stresses isn't going to be that full. So I can put other things in it, like, I don't know, more, um, you know, work with athletes, more consultation, more coaching, more learning, all that kind of stuff. That's going to take up more of that cup. Where if I've got a harder day, it's like, okay, now I have less room available within that cup to handle more stresses. Where on a mega mountain bike day, I know that I'm going to be very fatigued after and my cup is going to be very, very full. So my capacity to handle more stress is going to be pretty poor. So it allows me to periodize my life really well also. So again, it just allows us to ask better questions and I can you know, just plan much, much better. So I have this long-term consistency and sustainability in my approach. And we know that the, the more sessions you can complete as an athlete, the better you're going to become, whether that's skill-specific or just overall fitness and adaptation. So being able to look at this from a holistic manner is, is absolutely key, okay? And plus, you know, for if you're doing uh, that kind of level of planning and you know you got big sessions on the weekends or competitions and you know your overall calorie budget for the week based on uh, previous kind of data, it's like, okay, do I now need to put a little bit of a carbohydrate load in the day before? So I'm waking up the next morning under high carbohydrate availability. So again, it just allows you to just plan that extra bit in detail. And um, the, the two kind of main things here from this, I just like a little bit of a, a take home, is just being consistent with everything and just measuring trends over time. So, you know, we're just looking at quantifying training loads and then, you know, adjust accordingly. So for me, I'm probably just going to, you know, uh, you know, assess training load for an SNC session in the first week of that block. And then I probably won't address it again until, you know, four weeks time uh, before, when I start my next kind of training block from a, an SNC perspective. So I'm not going to sort of do it every single week and add up the maths and stuff like you probably could, but sometimes you get that little bit of a rabbit hole. So I just kind of have like a testing week and see where I am, the quantify everything. And then I just work off that accordingly. And I'll just do kind of small changes on a weekly basis if needed, based on my KPIs, how I'm feeling, how I'm performing and stuff like that. Um, for uh, you endurance guys, especially the cyclists with power meter data, you know, you've got your training stress score, stuff like that. And that kind of gets updated every week. Again, you can now start to kind of predict, you know, if you have like a big um, training stress score week, you could just look back the last time you had the same kind of training uh, stress score, your same TSS, and see what happened then. How many calories were you consuming throughout that week? What was your carbohydrate intake like? How did you perform? And then you can plan the following week better. So a big thing is, is just overall kind of creating awareness and then being able to plan a lot better. Um, so you have these kind of medium high days, low days, mega high days and all this kind of stuff. And then when it comes to being consistent, you just need to, again, just, just measure the long-term adaptation. So measure this kind of system against long-term adaptations. Like, are you moving in the right direction? Are you getting fitter? Are you getting stronger? Are you build a muscle? Are you getting leaner? Whatever the key objective is. Um, 
And then if you are, great, keep going. If not, you know, you kind of got that data then to kind of just reflect back on, you know, it's like, okay, like over this kind of four-week block, uh, my overall training load was X. I consumed Y amount of calories. This is the outcome. What do I need to change based on the next kind of training uh, block? And I got an idea of my training load so I can better plan for it moving forward. So hopefully that answers uh, the question of how do we quantify high, medium, and low days. Um, as always, if you have any questions, queries, or anything you'd like to ask me, or just basically just soundboard, uh, best way to get hold of me is through Instagram, DM, uh, the Athlete Nutrition Coach or Crystal Nutrition. I just search either one and I'll pop up. So just ask me, um, yeah, basically ask me any questions around this. I'm, you know, I'm always here to help and support you guys. So uh, yeah, just fire it across. And um, yeah, hopefully you found this helpful and uh, I will speak to you guys very, very soon.